Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hashtag murder! Woo! I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. And mimosas. And mimosas. Um, gonna be a little burpy because I just chugged a mimosa. She'll, she'll edit those out, don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut them out. Uh, and we also love Barbie. I haven't seen Barbie. Oh my god. I saw it on Thursday, which is the day it came out. And I went with Harley and Gracie and it was so good. And I had no expectations going into it. Honestly, I didn't even know that it was coming out. And then Harley was like, we should go see the Barbie do movie. Do you live under a rock? I do. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows about Barbie. I had no idea. And because Whitney's going to go see uh, Barbenheimer as a double feature. Yep. Because Whitney loves her some movies. I learned that that was a thing. I couldn't remember if it was Barbenheimer or Oppen Barbie. Barbenheimer sounds better. <laughs> it does. Uh, but apparently that's a thing. Were you going to see both in the same day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's what we need to do. Um, it was so good. Uh, and then I had like a quasi meltdown and I was like, I need to be in the 90s right now. Oh my. <laughs> it took me way back. And I was, it was a little sad, but it was very good. I, um, I heard that it's making all the angry white men angry. <laughs> Even more angry. Even more angry. <laughs> They're like, how dare they treat men like they treat, like we treat women. Yeah. How dare they? In a movie. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It was all about uh, taking down the patriarchy. Woo. Which I know. what you're all about. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. I told Dustin that we need to go see it together. I want to go see it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably going to own it. Whatever it. Of course. Whatever you can. Own it. <laughs> Although Will Ferrell did make an appearance, who I am not a fan of. I don't love Will Ferrell. Don't like him. He didn't ruin it, but I was annoyed that he was in it. That's fair. Yeah. And we also have coffee mugs. Yes. You asked. We delivered. We did. Although we don't have that many of them. No. Very very small select (laughs) selection. Yeah. Small select selection. Whatever. Because I'm broke and I can't afford to buy I can't afford to buy them in bulk. <laughs> uh, but we have a few. Um, not sure if we'll have any left by the time this comes out, but Maybe. we can reorder them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anywho, I've got a sad one for you. You don't usually pick super sad ones. I know. It's really not not my typical go-to, but I feel like it's a very good story that needs to be told. Okay. Um, but it is very sad. Are so there's, I might. So I, t- I wrote these notes like two months ago. Mm-hmm. And so before I came over here, I watched the show that I watched the first time again. I mean, I cried again. Lovely. Yeah. So I'm going to try and get through it. Um, but it's, it's sad, but it's, it should be told in my opinion. Let's do it. Let's do it. Who are we talking about? This is the stalking and the murder of Peggy Clinky. What is Peggy short for? Is it like Pargret? Pegatha? <laughs> it's Margaret. How do you get Peggy from Margaret? I don't know. But it is short for Margaret. That doesn't make any sense. And the only reason I know that is because of Mad Men. Oh, Peg. that's right. Peg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Margaret. 
This just doesn't make any sense, but okay. I know. I don't know where it comes from. Um, And we're going to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't think we've been in New Mexico yet. No, not yet. And at this point in time, it's the fall of 1988, and we meet the gorgeous 27-year-old Margaret Mary Clinky. Margaret Mary Clinky. She's gorgeous. Here, let me show you a photo of her. This is Peggy. Oh, she's cute. And she was like one of those people who, she she did know that she was pretty, mm-hmm. but she didn't throw it in people's faces. Mm. And she kind of like had this stigma about herself that she thought that people only liked her because she, she was, was pretty. pretty. Yes. Which is sad. Because she was very nice. Um, So that's not the only reason that people liked her. Um, so, Margaret goes by Peggy, the pegster, and Peggy is kind of a health nut. She works out every day. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you would work out every day. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and she's a very healthy eater. She's a vegetarian. Nope. Also, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, but she takes really good care of herself, and she is studying pre-med to become a doctor at the University of New Mexico. Ooh. I know. Go that's, Peg. That's big boob energy. I know. So, while in an after-class study group, Peggy catches the attention of 34-year-old Patrick Kennedy. Peg and Pat. Peggy and Patty. (laughs) Isn't that fun? So, Peggy and Pat are both older students, and they both took a lot of the same classes. Peggy was in pre-med, and Pat wanted to be an engineer. Those classes intermingle? Yeah, they were like the uh, pre-rec, like science and math classes. Yeah. So one day, in their study group, Patrick works up the courage to ask Peggy out to dinner on a little date, and she says yes. Love. Yeah, so now, Pat and Peg are getting to know each other outside of classes. Pee-pee. Yeah, I know. Pee and pee. Pee -pee. (laughs) So Patrick learns that Peggy is from Ohio, and she has three nieces that she absolutely adores. And Peggy learns that Patrick is starting a new chapter of his life. He's just gotten divorced. So now, Pat has decided to take on learning the engineering trade. Very nice. Yeah. Peggy also learns that Patrick has a seven-year-old daughter from his first wife. Okay. So he has been married before, and he has this little girl. Okay. So for work, Peggy teaches yoga. That's cute. I know. Like a lot of hippie vibes. Yeah. Although, do you make a lot of money doing that? Could you, like, sustain yourself by being a yoga instructor? I don't know. It's like working at a gym, I would assume, so I guess so. Oh, yeah have a certification so i would i would imagine so oh well yeah okay that's true so she's living her best life and one morning shortly after the date with patrick peggy gets to the yoga studio like super early to get everything ready and it turns out that she is not the only one there guess who it is a murderer (laughs) it's not murderer um and it's not patrick it's one of her students okay and his name is james and we're gonna come back to james a couple times james is a little creepy okay he's a little weird i think he was getting there early to try and like like peeping tom creepy uh, uh, i don't know about peeping tom but like he's being a little stalkerish oh like can't take a hint creepy yes got it yeah white man creepy all right got it <laughs> all right white man creepy james so james has arrived early and is waiting for peggy whenever she walks in James claims that the door was unlocked, so he just let himself in. And Peggy thought that this was a little odd, but she didn't sweat it too much. So a few weeks pass, and Peggy and Pat are like full-blown relationship status. 
They're spending a lot of time together. They're having dinner at each other's houses. They're going out as a couple the whole nine. The honeymoon. Yes. Emphasis on honeymoon. So now it's around Christmas time and Peggy wants to spend the holidays with her family back in Ohio. So Patrick questions her about this, saying that he was hoping that just the two of them would spend Christmas together. And Peggy tells Pat that it's only a five-day trip and that he'll be okay. He sounds like Dustin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is Dustin every time I leave the house. (laughs) Yeah. Literally. I'm surprised he has not called yet. Or has he? Uh, He called me on the way here. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, where are you going? It's like, I'm going to go record with Alex. We already discussed this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wendy would come home and I wouldn't be home and she'd be like okay and then if I wasn't home in a couple hours she'd be like um are you at sports no I'm at Scarlett's house I told you this and she's like oh that's right uh could you get me something on the way home uh-huh oh yeah there's an ulterior motive to that mm-hmm. phone call she, yep. she wants a milkshake <laughs> yep she wants a corn dog she wants a milkshake she wants a snack of some sort yeah. dinner Oh my god. Oh, and I'm glad we're getting all the laughs out now because it's really not going to be good here in a minute. Okay, so basically Patrick's being a little butthurt because she wants to go to Ohio to spend Christmas with her family and nieces, all that good stuff. Yes, she loves her family. So Peggy goes back to Ohio to be with her family and they're sitting around the dining room table enjoying each other's company whenever out of nowhere the doorbell rings. And guess who's standing on the front porch? Santa. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it had been. It's fucking Patrick. How does she? He they live in she... New Mexico. How did? <laughs> Why wouldn't he just ask to go spend Christmas with her? I don't know. Like just say, hey, can I come spend Christmas with you and your family so I don't have to be alone or whatever? Which is also weird because like if he has a daughter, you would imagine he'd want to spend it in New Mexico with his daughter. Yeah. Even if you only get her for a couple hours, like I feel like it's very much worth it to have Christmas with your seven-year-old yeah and i actually hadn't thought of that until you just said that um like he's got his own child that he could be spending christmas with but anywho patrick shows up to peggy's parents home where she's at uninvited in a different state it's so weird and peggy had never shared with patrick where her mother lives how the fuck did he find out (laughs) i don't know like i I guess you could have googled it maybe well i thought we were in the 80s no oh shit we're in 98 um you can't really google that i don't know i don't know how he got this information um but he showed up and the entire family is shocked including peggy she's like what what the fuck are you doing here so patrick apologizes and says that he didn't want to miss an opportunity to meet peggy's family oh wait i have an idea what if he got it since they go to the same college what if he got it from like hr i don't know whatever like said oh like it's an emergency i need to get in contact with her oh that could totally be it though Mm -hmm. just be like oh yeah this you know something happened with my family she called me i gotta go up there oh yeah damn that's crazy So, despite this unannounced visit, Peggy and her family try to make Patrick feel welcome. Even though he's a weirdo. Yes. And, like, her whole family was very turned off and weirded out by this. So, they set Patrick up in the guest room, and he's insisting that Peggy stay with him, like, in his room. But her family is super old school, and she turns him down. Well, also, like, like, you're kind of, you kind of invited yourself to family Christmas. Yeah. You can't say, oh, you're sleeping in my room. I know. Over a thousand miles away. That's terrifying. I would be so frightened. (laughs) 
it's like someone that I'd been dating for a couple weeks. Yeah, like not that long. Not long. Um, so it's at this point that Patrick says something along the lines of, well, what are they going to think whenever we move in with each other? Once You've again. Not been discussed. This has not been discussed. It's been two or three months. It has not been long at all. So Peggy and Patrick get back to Albuquerque and they do indeed move in with each other. Like immediately or like it was soon after? It was very shortly after. Okay. So while moving things into their shared home, Peggy discovers something that she didn't know about Patrick, that he owns a handgun. That's kind of important to disclose. Yeah. And this is a little alarming to Peggy. And I used to, oh my God, I dated this guy who every time he came over to my apartment, he would bring his gun and like just set it on the front table next to my front door. That's really weird. Every time. Was he a cop or something? No. Why? I don't know, but it always made me, I mean, it didn't last long. It would lasted like, he came over like twice, but. Pretty average for you. (laughs) It is average. Besides Dustin. (laughs) Two times Mm -hmm. and then I'm done. Uh, but he did and he would set it on the front table and i was like the only the only way this story could get weirder is if it was that you saw that one time (laughs) i forgot about him hey that was a good first date i just never talked to him again yeah was that the that was the one that was it was a fine first date right yeah that one was a fine first date but then he came over to your apartment after working and it was hot as fuck outside and he had to wear the thing (laughs) and he smelled so bad and you kept insisting that he would go home and he wouldn't leave (laughs) that's hilarious that one i'm thinking of somebody else that one did not go that well no okay but he did go he smelled so fucking bad i was like yeah i think i'm just gonna like go to bed like bye time for you to go he was the fucking (laughs) (laughs) oh that's really funny I'm not hating on you because I really don't remember you, but... (laughs) Hopefully he's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. Oh, shit. Um, okay. She finds this gun, and Peggy asks Patrick about the gun, and Patrick says that it's his grandfather's, and then he just keeps it for sentimental value. But Peggy still ain't happy about it. And if she found it, I mean, it's obviously not locked away or hidden very well. Yeah, and if it's for sentimental value, why is it not, like, displayed somewhere? Somewhere, yeah. Yeah, you can't see it if it's hidden in a drawer, but I digress. So a few days later, Peggy is teaching a yoga class, and James, remember Creepy James? Creepy white boy James. Yeah, uh, the guy who had showed up early um, and, like, caught her off guard. Mm -hmm. So James asked Peggy after class for additional help with a few different poses, which Uh is so weird. What The audacity of white men. I don't understand. So Peggy says sure, but that she's meeting her boyfriend soon after for breakfast. And James is like, oh, I thought you were single. Oh, so he's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> They're so stupid. Uh, okay. So while Peggy is helping James with his additional poses, Patrick shows up and he is not happy. Patrick demands that Peggy stop teaching yoga immediately, which... No, sir. No. That's not your choice. That's her job. And you don't have a say in this. Yeah. And you don't get to tell Peggy how to live her life. So now Patrick is showing signs of being extremely controlling as well as extremely jealous. So now Peggy is like rethinking this whole Patrick situation. Yeah, understandable. But at this point, she's already moved in with them. So it's going to be a little 
kind of a mess. Literally. Now break a lease, all that stuff. Yeah. So a few weeks pass and Peggy is planning on attending her best friend's wedding, which was back in Ohio. So Patrick. Oh boy. Yeah. So Patrick learns about this wedding that he was not invited to and that Peggy had already purchased her plane ticket to go. And Patrick promptly cancels Peggy's flight and then gets two tickets for him and her to go. What? No, you weren't invited. So she had literally already bought these tickets. He goes in, cancels them, and then rebuys two tickets so they can both go. No, sir. This is so, uh, oh, this is so bad. It's such, like, scary behavior. Like, he had to be with her at all times. It's just weird. It's terrifying. It's yeah. Uh, and extremely controlling. So, fast forward a few years to March of 2002. They've been together for, like, four years now. So she's been dealing with this for four years. I wouldn't be able to do that for four years. No, I wouldn't be able to do that for four weeks, Mm -mm. four days. Uh, So she was unfortunately extremely patient with him. Uh, So uh, yeah, she had just put up with this man entirely too long. So now Peggy has finally decided that she is going to leave Patrick. Good for you, Peggy. I know. She quickly packs a bag and calls up her best friend, and her friend offers up her spare bedroom to Peggy. That's a good friend. I know. And she was in this documentary that I watched, and she just, she was so sweet, and she was so, like, the whole thing was very sad. But she was willing to put up her friend in her spare bedroom. That's Harley behavior. That's a Harley move. I know. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, just come live with me. Just, I'll take fine. care of you. I'll take all the children. <laughs> all the dogs. You all can, the cats. You can bunk with Maverick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, So Peggy is just so ready to completely move on with her life. Mm -hmm. She's ready to go. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, this new frowned... New frowned? (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately, this newfound freedom will not last long. So Peggy is still teaching her yoga class, and Creepy James is still in the yoga class. That's weird. Four years. Four years later, you're still going to the same yoga class? You know what? So, uh... Matt that I play kickball with on Wednesday. He's our kickball captain. Yeah. He's a Peloton freak. Loves Peloton. Oh, God. But there's a specific instructor he likes named Emma Lovewell. And he's gone, like, they, I guess they do live classes in New York where, like, the headquarters are, and you can purchase a class to go up there. And he's gone to two of her classes up there. Like, they randomly select him, and, like, he's like, hell yes, but only if I can go to Emma Lovewell's class. He loves Emma Lovewell. Do we need to turn him in? <laughs> No, he's very, he's, he's an angel. Okay. <laughs> but I can understand that, like, going to a class because you really like that instructor. It's, like, the same as if you, like, have a personal trainer that you just have that relationship with and you trust them, you know. That's true. I guess I've just never but stuck. But creepy. <laughs> I've never stuck with anything long enough. Yeah. <laughs> that checks out. So, James is super dedicated to the yoga class. And James can sense that something has changed in Peggy. And he deduces that she and Patrick have broken up. And offers to, quote unquote, take her mind off of things. Oh, unsolicited dick pic. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, like, if I if I need your help with something, I will ask. You don't need to offer help where help is unwanted. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, so, when the hour-long yoga class is over, Peggy is approached by a new student. And his name is Mark. And he thanks Peggy for teaching the class, and he's being really sweet. 
But James does not find this sweet and quickly inserts himself into the conversation. So this new guy, Mark, is trying to be like, oh my god, thank you for this class. So Just glad I nice. found it. And then James is like totally butting in and being like... He's like, let me whip it out on the table and you can measure. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. What is wrong with men? Uh, so at this point in time, Patrick has no idea where Peggy is staying because she's living with her friend, but he keeps in contact with her via cell phone, calling and texting like hundreds of times a day. Get a new phone number. We don't have two-factor authentication yet. <laughs> yeah, just get a new phone just number. Just get a new phone number. Yeah. Do yeah, it. Yeah, your number's not linked to anything. But he was literally calling 100 times a day. No, sir. That's insanity. No, and sir. And obsessive. So after this same yoga class with new guy Mark and old creepy James, Peggy goes outside and Mark approaches Peggy while she's sitting in her car and he taps on the window because she appeared to be stressing out about something and Mark wanted to see if she was okay. We're not going to hate on Mark, although that is, you met her That's one time. Weird. You've met her once. Eh, I don't know. Give her her space. Yeah. So Peggy says that she's fine and then Mark hands her a note with his phone number on it. And James. Oh boy. Yeah, so James is watching this whole interaction go down, and he's super pissed. He's like, I've been working with her for four years, and I've never gotten... To give her my phone number. Oh, yes. no. It's like, you're paying for a service <laughs> that she provides, and she doesn't find you physically attractive. And you're expecting something else out of it. Weird. Yeah. White men would never do that. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> so, Peggy, being super ready to be totally done with Patrick, agrees to meet up with new Mark outside of class. Okay. So, a little, um, what's it called whenever you, uh, like, go on a date? She's rebounding. Rebounding, yep. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, just trying to get her mind off of, uh, fucking Patrick. Just get you some, go on a nice date where he pays for the dinner and the drinks. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about being stalked. Yep, maybe. Literally. You just have a good time, and then you get to go home. Yeah, go home and hang out with your friend. And he doesn't have to know where you live. Nope, sure doesn't. Peggy needs a cat. That's what she needs. She does. Mm -hmm. Or a dog. Or a dog, yeah. Yeah. Cats a, are better, A big-ass dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, okay, so Peggy's new relationship with Mark is actually going very well. Okay. She's super into him, and he's super into her, and it just seems like a really great fit. And Mark knows that Peggy is studying to work in medicine, and Mark works in pharmaceutical sales. And he offers to help her get a job in the business as well. That's kind of cool. I know. So Mark and Peg are taken off. Yay. But does Pat know? Uh, he does know. Um, and he cannot let Peggy go. Is he like one of those, if if I can't have her, you can't have her? That's the vibe I get. That is exactly what is happening here. Oh, lovely. So this is whenever Patrick begins full on stalking Peggy. He probably was already stalking her to begin with, but now it's just like 24-7. Yes, because now she's got Mark and she's trying to move on with her life and he is not going to let her go. He's like, fuck that. I know. So now we're in the spring of 2002 and Peggy is out just like running errands whenever suddenly she's approached by Patrick. So no, <laughs> just minding her own business. So Peggy's all like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Patrick, in response to this, gets down on one knee, holding an engagement ring box, and asks Peggy to marry him. Sir. What? <laughs> you have reached full-blown, level 99, delusional. Yes. Isn't that crazy? He literally just, like, jumped out of the bushes 
of wherever the fuck she was at, got like, down on one knee me? and asked her to marry him. No. And you know what's sad? Like, you can't really get a restraining order for that. Because he's not showing any sign of, like, violence or hinting towards it. He's just creepy. Which yeah. is fucked up. If you want a restraining order against somebody, you should just be able to get one. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Cool. So Peggy is like, no, to the marriage proposal, leave me the fuck alone, and she gets out of that area. So Peggy is now starting to realize that she's in a terrible and terrifying situation. And after Patrick's failed proposal, he's ready to get revenge. Oh boy. And this is completely insane. So Patrick decides that he's going to go up to Peggy's yoga studio, and he's printed off these flyers with Peggy's photo on them. And the flyers say things along the lines of, I'll sleep with anyone. I'm a slut. I'm a whore. Call me. With her phone number underneath of it. Oh, what the fuck? And not only did he hang these flyers in her yoga studio, he also made like 300 more copies and posted them all around the city of Albuquerque as well. No, no, sir. So now he's gone from... Like, jealous boyfriend to, like, to evil ex-boyfriend to just, like, you're just a straight-up piece of shit. Yes. Who thinks of that? He's 34. You have a child. You're a man. What if your child was going through the same situation? Exactly. You fucking asshole. Yeah. Okay. And the child in this story never comes back. It was just known that he does have a daughter. I bet he didn't have custody of the child at all. No. I'm, I'm sure he probably treated ex-wife number one exactly the same as Peggy, and she probably had to get a restraining order or something. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so Peggy tears down as many flyers as she can, and then she takes them home and shows them to her best friend, Marie, who she's been living with. So now they decide that it's time to get the police involved. Let's go, girls. I know. So Peggy goes to the police, flyers in hand, and informs the cops that she's being stalked by Patrick. To which the police say, quote, Sorry, ma'am, but that's just a piece of paper. Come back to us whenever something happens. End quote. That's, a, that's about what I imagined was going to happen. You literally called it. So mm-hmm. they want her to come back whenever he has essentially physically harmed her. When it's too late for her to come back to you to say she needs help to yeah. prevent her from getting hurt. Okay, cool. Exactly. All right, thank you. Oh, my God. Thanks, so, cops. Yeah, they essentially do nothing. So this is whenever Peggy finally gets a new phone number after this whole flyer ordeal. Yeah. So a little while later, in June of 2002, Peggy and new sweet boyfriend Mark go down to Florida for Peggy's brother's wedding. And Peggy and Mark's relationship is literally all sunshine and rainbows. Good. Mark is great. She deserves that. She really does. He's a great guy. But this is crazy. The night after her brother's wedding, Mark gets a phone call from his neighbor and the neighbor tells Mark that his house is on fire. Patrick lit his house on fire. Yeah. That's arson, Patrick. (laughs) Yeah. You're gonna go to jail. He set his house on fire. And before this had happened, because the whole family is down in Florida, before this happened, Patrick had flown to Ohio for the sole purpose of spray painting quote, PK is a whore, end quote, on Peggy's mother's garage. You flew from New Mexico to Ohio just to write your ex-girlfriend's a whore on her mother's garage. Yeah. You're a piece of shit. And then set Mark's house on fire. You're a literal piece of garbage. And 
losing it. Who acts this way? An insane person, clearly. So Peggy and Mark go to the police station and police now agree that yes, they need to get involved and that this fire was an act of arson. But whenever Peggy tries to explain that this is because she's being stalked, Police are like, well, we're going to need more evidence. She already brought them evidence. She brought them the fucking piece of the flyers that he made. Police instruct Peggy and Mark to make a detailed list of all of the stalking incidences. And I'm sure Peggy was like, well, where do I fucking begin? Because this has been going on for months. Literally, and before she even broke up with him. Oh, it happened yeah. in the first couple weeks of their marriage. like Or not marriage, relationship. Literally. So Peggy and Mark both get to work on making this list. And Mark is really great and supportive, and he wants Peggy to be safe. So he's all in. He's helping get phone records. Good for him, too, because like he went into this probably just expecting like a normal, happy relationship. Probably just thought his yoga teacher was cute. Yeah. And now he's like roped into this whole shenanigans. She did tell him that she had a crazy ex-boyfriend. So he knew. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure he didn't know the extent. Yeah, because like everybody says that like, oh, my ex is crazy, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But then yeah. you get shit like this. Yeah. So now Peggy has all of these documents gathered on Patrick stalking her. She takes them down to the station and police actually arrest Patrick. All right, cool. But Patrick quickly makes bail. So now he's free again. Did she get a restraining order or anything? Um, I believe so. I mean, it's just a piece of paper. It's not necessarily going to prevent him from doing anything. Exactly. I mean, going to hold up the piece of paper and be like, the paper says no. The paper says no, you can't hurt me. Exactly. Ugh. So now it's August of 2002. Peggy makes the hard decision to stop teaching yoga. Because Patrick knows where her studio is. Exactly. Um, and whenever she leaves, Creepy James is super salty about her leaving. I'm sorry, James, that she did not stay and teach the class. Yeah, for you. For you. Stupid. So Patrick was arrested. He's out on bail. And the trial was supposed to take place in September of 2002. But it kept getting pushed back. And Peggy and Mark decide that it's time to leave Albuquerque altogether. Just to get away from this one human being. They're going to literally flee the state. They just need a clean slate. So she's taken all the right steps, essentially, mm -hmm. to get away from this man. In August of 2002, Mark helps Peggy move almost a thousand miles away to a town called Turlock, California. Cali. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it's a very, very tiny town. Itsy bitsy. So she's thinking that this is somewhere that she would be hard to track. And Mark helps Peggy get a job as a pharmaceutical sales rep. I feel like, I, I get where her logic was, but I feel like it'd be easier to hide in a bigger city. Because, you yes. know, there's less people that are going to know who you are. That's very true. Um, I concur with that. Cool. Uh, so, as Peggy is living here and awaiting the trial, she is literally never not thinking about Patrick and how he could just show up at any minute. Yeah, or set her on fire or some crazy shit. Yeah, and she's very careful to watch her surroundings everywhere she goes. Like, she's always looking out mm -hmm. for real reasons. Not just, like, she thinks people are after her because this there man is, is literally after her. This man's literally trying to get her, yeah. Yeah. So now we're a little bit later in 2002 and Peggy has made all the right moves here. She's notified the police. She's moved to a different state. She was living life very carefully to make sure that Patrick couldn't find her, which sounds exhausting. Like just constantly trying to Good on hide Mark. 
for being like supportive and yeah there through the whole thing and he actually did not move to california with her he stayed in albuquerque mm-hmm. um i'm assuming to either wrap up a job or do something and mm-hmm. then he was gonna, gonna go move. yeah so her and mark are still going strong um even though he still lives in new mexico the trial keeps getting pushed back and now it's scheduled for like mid-january of the following year okay And this is where we get real sad and real crazy. Okay. On January 18th of 2003, which is 11 months into this whole stalking ordeal, not including the first four years Mm -hmm. that she lived with Patrick. Especially five years of a nightmare. So while Peggy is in her home, she is attacked by an intruder. And the intruder is Patrick Kennedy. And how he found her is that he had hired a private investigator to find Peggy. what the fuck? Yeah. Horrific. What? He I feel literally like that hired should be illegal. Someone. Like you, if you are on, you have charges pressed against you for stalking. Yeah. You should not legally be allowed to hire. I'm sure it was illegal, but you should not be allowed to hire a private investigator to track down the person that's your victim. That's fucked up. Extremely. Also and... fucked up by the private investigator. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know he who, he or she, whoever Cause like, it was. Because a private investigator can run a background check. As soon as you run a background check... On your a, client. On your client, or even the person that your client's looking for, you're going to find out that they have charges pressed against somebody. Oh, it's so fucked Fuck up. Do. Okay. Yeah. So Peggy is home alone and now fighting for her life against Patrick. While Peggy is being attacked by Patrick... One of her new neighbors, another young lady, knocks on her door. Okay. Just to say, hey, see if she needs anything. She doesn't think that anything is nefarious is happening in the apartment. She's just checking in on her. Yeah. So Peggy frantically runs to the door and answers it. And the neighbor is shocked to find Peggy panicking. And then they both run across the hall into the neighbor's apartment. So they both get in the neighbor's apartment, and they quickly lock the door behind them, and they run and hide in a closet. Okay. And then we call 911. Yes. Peggy borrowed the neighbor's cell phone while they're hiding in her closet, and she calls 911. And Peggy speaks very clearly and quickly to the dispatcher and explains that a man, her ex-boyfriend, Patrick Kennedy, has broken into her home, that he has a gun, and if they don't get there soon, he's going to kill her and her neighbor. And this 911 clip is, like, out there. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. It's... You probably hear how terrified she is in it. Chilling. Oh, my God. So, uh, police are dispatched immediately to these apartments. Okay. But before the police arrive, while Peggy is still on the phone, Patrick breaks a window and gains entry into the apartment. Patrick swings open the closet door and sees both women sitting terrified in the closet. Patrick instructs the neighbor to leave. And she doesn't at first. Good girl. She's like, I'm not going to leave her with you. With you, no. Clearly you're trying to kill her. Mm-hmm. But Peggy instructs the neighbor to go ahead and go and that it's okay. So the neighbor exits the closet. She probably didn't want the neighbor to get hurt just because of her. Yeah, you're probably right. So now it's Patrick pointing a loaded gun at Peggy and Peggy stuck in this closet, still on the phone with dispatch. And on the 911 call, you can hear Patrick very calmly saying, quote, hang that up. No, ma'am. And Peggy is begging Patrick to stop what he's doing. And then the line, the phone line goes dead. 
So at this point, the SWAT team arrives and makes entry into the apartment. The lead officer instructs Patrick to come out with his hands up, and Patrick is hyper fixated on Peggy, and he is not interacting with the authorities or the SWAT team at all. He is not responding to anything they're saying. He is only focused on Peggy. Yeah, this is a hostage situation at this point. Yes, literally. So uh, Peggy stops trying to fight Patrick as he has a loaded gun pointed directly at her. And Peggy is now the one speaking to the officer. (sighs) This is really sad. This is super sad. Uh, Do you want me to read it? Maybe. Okay. Okay, I, I, I got this. Okay. So, and then Peggy says, Officer, can you hear me? Can you do three things for me? Can you tell my mother that I love her? Can you tell my nieces that they're going to have a guardian angel in heaven? Oh my god. And then can you tell my sister Debbie to name her baby after me? That's the last thing she said. Patrick probably told her to say her last words and then killed her, is what I'm assuming. If that's what she came up with. Yeah, probably. Because if she didn't think she was going to die, she would have just said, Hey, Patrick just wants some space, or Patrick wants XYZ. She wouldn't have said those things. Oh my god. Oh, it's so sad. Okay. So, after she says this, this is whenever SWAT hears two gunshots. So the SWAT team busts down the door and they find the lifeless bodies of both Peggy and Patrick. So he had shot her and then shot himself. Yes. Both in the head. So what else could have Peggy done? To get away from this man. Literally nothing. It's all on officers to just keep him in jail. Yeah. She did everything. She moved a thousand miles away. And like they could have even like put him on house arrest. Put a fucking bracelet on him. Yeah. That way you know where he is all the time. Exactly. He had already flown to Ohio to write that on her mother's garage. Yeah, he's already shown that he'd already set a house on fire. He's already shown that he'll go to great lengths to hurt Peggy. Yeah. Uh, back in Ohio, which is where her family is, it's not until Saturday that Peggy's family gets the news. And Peggy's mother and sister were at home, sitting on the couch, watching TV, whenever the doorbell rang. And Debbie answers the door, and whenever she sees two police officers standing on the porch, she knew, like, she knew that Patrick had killed her. Peggy, her sister. Yeah, I mean, like, you already are gonna expect the worst whenever... A police officer just knocks on your door. Yeah. Debbie, the sister, called Peggy's friend Marie back in Albuquerque. And when Marie got the call, she also knew immediately. She said, um, whenever I answered the phone and the person on the other line said, this is Peggy's sister, Mm -hmm. she knew. Yeah. I mean, like, there's no other reason for them to contact Marie. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's that. That is fucking awful. Yeah, and we're not going to do fun facts for this one. We're going to end on a positive note about Peggy's sister, Debbie. Okay. So Debbie wanted to channel her emotions into something productive. She started working with the Stalking Research Center, and she tells Peggy's story to various law enforcement groups as well as college campuses. So she's really doing great things from this horrifying and tragic event. And Debbie is, like, a beautiful and strong person, and she's helping keep her sister's legacy alive. Yeah, she doesn't want this to happen to anybody else, because that's what Debbie would have wanted. Yeah. Or not what Debbie would have wanted, what Peggy would have wanted. Yeah. Um, so, that's that. It got me. 
got me real good. That's intense. Yeah, I watched that um, specific documentary three times now and have cried every time. Yeah, (laughs) I would imagine so. Um, so just to end this, to wrap it up, um, want to give out some resources. So to learn more about the crime of stalking, you can visit the Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center, um, SPARC for short, at www.stalkingawareness.org. And uh, I checked out the website. It has all kinds of great information from resources to awareness and you can even schedule a training class directly from the website that's cool yeah and it also has the national domestic abuse hotline number which is 1-800-799-7233 and the national sexual assault hotline number at 800-656-HOPE which is 800-656-4673 okay now Going back to what you said earlier about the private investigator. Mm -hmm. So in 2005, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger passed... I'll be back. He is back. He's back with a vengeance. Good. So he passes Peggy's Law, which makes it a misdemeanor for anyone targeted by a domestic violence restraining order to locate the victim by hiring a private investigator. Or by using a friend or a relative or any other third-party means. a boy, Arnie. I know. Uh, Arnold did good. Okay, I thought that was against the law. It just wasn't against the law then. at the time. Okay. Yep. So that happened two years after, essentially. Well, I'm kind of glad that I gave you a mimosa to get through this. Because <laughs> I think you needed it. <laughs> I did. I almost lost it again. God. Oh, thank you for reading that for me. You're welcome. Oh, man. Um, well. That was rough. That was rough. I think that is probably the saddest one we've done. That is really fucking sad. Um, but before you go. Yes. I'll do all these. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at hashtag murderpod. We are also on threads at hashtag murderpod. Same thing oh. as the Insta. Yeah. Um, Facebook, if you follow us on there, cool. It's all the same stuff from the Instagram. It just automatically posts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you like us and you like true crime and you like Scarlet crying, <laughs> you should give us a follow and subscribe. Yeah. Give, give us, us five stars. Give us, five, give us six stars for this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that was so sad. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to finish this mimosa mm-hmm. and probably pour myself another and then next week we'll also have a depressing story oh, shit. and this one's gonna piss you the fuck off oh, fuck. oh i don't think i can handle it oh i found an army conspiracy you know i love those oh lord don't even get me started on that oh just you just, just wait okay <laughs> oh man it's like as bad as kurt cobain oh fuck wait i don't know you don't know what happened to Kurt Cobain? Okay, I'll do that. I'll okay. do that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Thanks watch. For Listen. Out. Listen. Whatever. Thanks for hanging out. Love, Love you. Bye. bye. Uh, if someone breaks up with you, don't stalk them. That's weird. Just let it go. And shitty. Bye. Bye bye bye. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton.
We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Hello. He is a fig. He is a fig Newton. I just don't find him very funny. Who the fuck is calling my work phone? I am on PTO. But I want to cover that crazy bitch that was a, became a Mormon because her boyfriend was a Mormon and she killed him in the shower. What? <laughs> uh, okay. What's her fucking name? It's, she's really fa- She's famous. I don't know. Oh. Um, fuck. It's going to bother me. Hold on. <laughs> you continue. <laughs> oh, wait. Sure it was in New Mexico. Oh, maybe it was Utah. That would make more sense. That is where it's the land of the Mormons. It's Jody Arias. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, I do know her. Yes. <laughs> I do know her. She famous. You know, I thought I did. You know what? I don't. Okay. Are you forking kidding me? Don't the lawn care people know that we have important business uh, to handle? Oh, they better move on. Please disregard the Please. very loud lawnmower. <laughs> I love that sign that you have whenever you first walk in. It <laughs> says, zero days. <laughs> Duck tried to eat nude. Yeah, I don't think it's... It's never going to get to one. <laughs> never. Oh. Oh. Okay. There we go. Break. Oh my god. <laughs> Okie doke. Alright, continue. Peggy and Mark both get to work in... Uh, pharmaceutical. 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 Pharmaceutical sales rep. <laughs> um, and he decides... Or, nope. And he thinks that... Oh, god damn it.